Now I got Danny Phantom theme songs looking lit. <laughs> yep. And Phantom Girl has copyright. Hi, I'm Shamar Griffith, codename Comic Champs. And I am Andrew Tejada, codename Arate. This season, we're getting whelmed for DC's greatest sidekicks and covering every episode of Young Justice on... Yeah, another DC animated podcast, part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. Welcome to yet another episode of yet another DC animated podcast. My name is Shamar Griffith, codename Comic Shams. And I am Andrew Tejada, codename Arate. Andrew and I have known each other since 1996. That was the year. The Canterville Ghost dropped, a movie centered around American family moving into a haunted mansion in England where their family's young daughter could be the key to fulfilling a prophecy and setting the house's ghost free um, from eternal imprisonment. It also has Patrick Stewart. Oh, you know, when you first said Canterbury, I, thought I, was, I started thinking about Canterbury Cricket, the, the one that <laughs> was like, is this his origin story? He That's the link. Out. That is <laughs> That's the link circle. to this episode. <laughs> the Canterbury Cricket, of course. <laughs> yes, we're not going to talk about for the next five hours the Canterbury Cricket, who he is and why he's important to the DCU and why James Gunn needs to put him in every single film. <laughs> or we can actually just talk about Young Justice. <laughs> Um, yes, that's right, because we are talking about these ghosts. Well, I guess I don't know. Phantoms, actually, is really the better word for them. Mm-hmm. Um, you're talking about a bunch of phantoms who make a brave escape here in our last set of episodes for the Young Justice animated series. This is it. We have reached the grand finale, recovered all 99 episodes that were produced, starting with our last bunch today. Um, episode 22 through 26, we have Rescue and Search, Ego and Super Ego, Zenith and Abyss, Over and Out, which actually should have been the last episode title, but um, I digress. <laughs> um, and finally, Death and Rebirth. Uh, so this episode, because of the collection, again, we are going through arcs of the main cast members. And this one in particular is for the season two leader of the team who quickly dropped out because uh, no, no shade to him, but I, I love this character. He's one of my favorite superheroes of all time as Nightwing is our arc leader here today. Uh, timing for this episode is an updated version of August 29th following the events of the rocket arc. Um, mainly because shit went down <laughs> during that last episode <laughs> of the rocket arc all the way to September 17th. And just like Smash, everyone is here except for Jason Spizak, uh, one of our core members of the team. So we're just going to he's already done a lot of great work already. So <laughs> um, but we do have the rest of the team, the people who we started off with from the very beginning, as we have Jesse McCartney here as Dick Grayson, a.k.a. Dan Danger, a.k.a. Nightwing. Uh, Lacey Chabert is Zatanna. Nolan North is Connor Kent, a.k.a. Superboy. Um, also another character who I'll highlight later on. Stephanie Lamellon is Artemis Croc, a.k.a. Tigress, as well as our Justice League computer system. Denise Boutet is Raquel Irvin, a.k.a. Rockets. Carrie Payton is Cal Durham, um, no last name that I can find, a.k.a. Aquaman. Danica McKellar is Megan Maors, a.k.a. Megan Morse, a.k.a. Miss Martian. And wrapping up our list here, we have um, Vanessa Marshall, who is Ursa Zod and soon to be a very dramatic version of Shigo in this universe. <laughs> 
Uh, Phil Morris is Lore Andrew Zod playing father and son here. And finally, we have the person that we probably came at for so long because of the harm he did to us back in season one. But we got Ben Diskin, who is providing his final, at least probably final. We don't know the status of season five or anything like that. We don't, we're not in the weeds of it at all. But Ben Diskin is here as Ma'alfa Ak, a.k.a. our favorite Makam X. Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't support his actions, just his name. <laughs> All right, so now that our cast lists and our stats are set, uh, let's take the tube over to the beginning of Rescue and Search. So we last left off with the Legionnaires plus Kid Flash getting captured by Kryptonian Killmonger. And Kid Flash, he, you know what? I'm giving this man his props because mm. he went and he tried to stop him. But uh, Kryptonian Killmonger is faster. He does have that reaction time. So he stops Kid Flash, ties him up, and even the ship tries to take out <laughs> this evil Kryptonian. Bioship is always a real one. <laughs> <laughs> Back up, yo. This is what you, who you want in your corner. But unfortunately, with everyone held hostage, the ship is encouraged to stand down. So as they race off to a goal unknown, we see that Dick Grayson has decided to take it easy. You know, instead of fighting crime and getting putting himself in mortal danger against supervillains, he decides to put himself in mortal danger at a circus, dump two fiery rings, doesn't worry about falling or anything. So um, as he completes a great stunt and we see that he's trying to go for the most jacked individual to close out the series award um, by taking off his shirt, we see Zatanna show up and say... <laughs> Hey, bud, you wanna you wanna go do a solve a crime? <laughs> not do a crime. That's Flash. Yeah, <laughs> that is yes, Flash. <laughs> Next up, we jump on over to the Phantom Zone. Um, just as a reminder, because of the events that took place during the Rocket event, we are now working in a singular timeline when it comes to the Phantom Zone. And while we're there, we see that Drew and Ursazad are talking with Superboy. They're asking like asking him some more details about who he is, how he got here, because um, as shown in the previous episode, the Phantom Zone projector security system for it didn't recognize Superboy as someone that was convicted while in Krypton, allowing the possibility for him to actually exit when Drew was being pulled out and no one else could get through. Uh, this is when Superboy, he states that, you know, I feel like I am a criminal because I killed Superman, which obviously count creates some more um, confusion because they don't know who Superman is. And here now, it does seem that while Superboy isn't sure about who he is, really, he does know exactly everything that happened. <laughs> because during this time, he starts talking about the memories that he has of being on Mars and the bomb that went off and um, how he tried to save some people because he wasn't the one that set the bomb. Zod, he's just like, listen, man, I'm going to need you to get to the point. And he's like, What's your crest? You seem to be Kryptonian. What's your crest? Draw it out. And he does so on the ground. And it's the House of L logo, which the Zods immediately recognize and are very upset about this because, you know, they had beef since like day one. Yeah, that was a where you from? Where you right. from? <laughs> <laughs> what what could you represent, son? What's your <laughs> Back on Earth, Dick and Zatanna are starting the mystery. And Dick doesn't really want to get that involved. But he does find it suspicious that Kid Flash is missing right now. So after he uses his basic hacking skills to hack security footage and credit cards, 
he discovers that Kid Flash was hanging around two mystery people that can't be identified by any system because they're from the future and uh, realizes those two mystery people hung out with Superman. So goes over to Superman, pull up on him in a diner, which Superman realizes this diner is is as trash as his secret identity glasses. <laughs> so um, although they try to get some information out of Superman, he is pretty much stonewalling them because he doesn't want to reveal what he knows about the future. But it doesn't matter because Dick will figure it out anyway. <laughs> um, we did say we needed a detective. <laughs> yeah. As a as a quick spoiler slash summary, because we could go through all the parts of this mystery. But here's here's something. Here's the neat part. You've seen all of this before. Mm-hmm. If you if you've watched any of the previous episodes up to this point or heard the previous episode of the podcast, you know how the mystery unfolds because they're just unfolding a mystery that we already know about. Um, so I, I think it's fair to just skip to the end of that when <laughs> they have assembled all the team, all the members of the original team except McGann. So that, that pretty much catches you up on the air. We, yeah. we do have to highlight the fact that Aquaman came through with the nice fade and yes, the beer. Did. My mm-hmm. man cleaned up during his vacation time. So, you know, shout out to the mental health haircut. <laughs> oh, yes. Yes. And I also want to mention that at one point there's a throwaway line where Dick is like someone casually mentions, oh, yeah, you can't, you dated Rocket and Zatanna. Excuse me, Mr. Grayson. All <laughs> right. <laughs> Making your way through the whole Justice League, huh? Uh- <laughs> While we'll get to what happens after every member of the team except McGann is assembled, let's check in at the Phantom Zone to see how Superboy is getting some street cred. So Superboy keeps stating um, that he does know that he kills Superman. And obviously the Zods are just like, who is this Superman you speak of? This is where we get the, once again, you don't need to be here for the full rundown of Superman's origin, Superboy's origin um, as well, because he states that as... He's a member of the House of L. So now that they know this, they decide that, like, we're here with our kind of captor. So we're going to go get some air. And in that moment, as shown in our previous arc, Phantom Girl is awake and she wakes up and she's like, Superboy, we need to get out because you're in great danger. And as the more they talk, the more she starts giving him the same information that we have about how Zod, upon being released, he um, caused great tyranny and just everything terrible that he's honestly <laughs> done. So she's trying to get him to move and even trying to use her abilities to phase them out because she explains that her skills is that she can um, teleport herself from the Earth plane to her home planet, Bixel. Um, they apparently exist outside of two separate dimensions. And something happened, I guess, during that time. Something that she assumes happens during that time when she went to save Superboy was that the immense pain that she got from, I mean, you from touching lava, I'm assuming that causes immense pain. It caused her to stop short. And apparently the Phantom Zone is the bridge between these two realities. <laughs> <laughs> That's one hell of a one <laughs> hell of a stopover. Meanwhile, back on the bioship. The bioship's trying her best to, for obviously, what she can do to take out um, Kryptonian Killmonger. Unfortunately, he has full control of the whole situation. This is when we also see that Makam X is using his shape-shifting abilities to pretend to be other individuals on Supertown. 
And this is where he reveals that the Kaiser Thrall, which was taken into custody during the rocket arc, is now currently on Oa. So the new plan is force Kid Flash, um, because they all have inhibitor collars, force Kid Flash to use the cosmic treadmill to so that the bio ship can enter subspace and they could travel to Oa as quickly as possible. Prior to this, we did see this really drawn out battle between um, the original team because they decided to collect at the Tower of Fate to try to see if they can summon Clarion so that he can help them teleport to the Phantom Zone and pull Superboy out. Their whole plan was to make see if because of the fact that Clarion does not like the Tower of Fate, they figured that he won't he'll be too afraid to even step foot in it, therefore bend to their wills. Unfortunately, Clarion decided to show them that he is him and does this like shadow clone jutsu starts basically attacking every single person. Like it is it's really funny to see how this is all happening because it's like just like in the magic arc where it's just like Clarion is just soloing this entire team. (laughs) Oh, man. Yeah. And I mean, it's a it's fun. It's a lot of fun to see Nightwing get a look get to fight i think he did a he did the best he could against clarion yeah uh clarion also stunts on zatanna by speaking backwards effortlessly but yeah it becomes pretty quickly (laughs) like any battle with clarion you know how this is going to end clarion is just dominating so eventually zatanna pulls out her max spell she collects her mp and uses the combo and um she says that Clarion, you need to honor your debt to me by taking me to the Phantom Zone. That whole, you know, that whole chaos arc where you're not a chaos crystal anymore. And he goes, you know what? I am going to honor your debt by not killing you. Damn, that's gangster. I can't Mm -hmm. even lie. I can't even lie. (laughs) That's the one. Um, So at this point, Clarion goes and they have no, leaving them without a definite way to get back into the Phantom Zone. Um, but back on the bioship, Kryptonian Killmonger is making plans of his own. Um, so he lets Kid Flash out of jail, but he reminds him that, look, if you try anything, it's over for you. And I like to detail that uh, because earlier Kid Flash was caught in an explosion and he doesn't have speed healing, his arms are still bandaged at the moment. Mm-hmm. I do like um, I do like that. As they make for a mysterious plan, the other kids in our crew on Earth decide to go for the magic school bus as their backup plan. So as the episode comes to a close and both race to their respective backup plans, we find out in a post credit scene that the Kaiser Thrall is humanoid. We're going to follow up on that, but uh, yeah, we're just going to drop that now, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it really took a shot to our egos here hearing about that, um, which leads us right into Ego and Super Ego, where we are in Markovia. Um, there's uh, this like kid who is running away, is a young metahuman who was um, unfortunately turned by Clarion um, and was captured while in Cuba during, right, during the Outsiders arc. Um, so he's trying to find a way to get to Markovia. Unfortunately, the only way I can say is that racism going racism as the, uh, a bunch of Markovians come up and they're they definitely attacking him saying that Markovia is only for the true Markovians. None of you, what you know, none of you metahumans and the boy tries to defend himself. He he's able to squirt some kind of like, I don't know, it was like blood or venom or something mm-hmm. on this one guy's face. And this is what forces this entire gang to try to attack him. Fortunately, 
geoforce or hot lava um you know i feel like we gotta call them hot lava now after what happened in season three okay yeah oh absolutely always all right so hot lava and his rest of his infinitors they arrive on the scene very much like a young justice team and say we need to save this kid so he starts commanding orders telling his people like fury and cobalt and every man to chase after and stop the um the perpetrators unfortunately though one man does get away and they're unsure of like how he did because the person that he passed by was every man and Brion's tight about this but what he doesn't see is that this person seems to be shape-shifting into this infinidor even but originally looked like one of the attackers yeah and that is because he is a new one on the crew uh change boy that's not his name but i didn't write it down because <laughs> he's only in this episode spoilers right. uh, <laughs> no every man right that's his yeah, name. yeah every man <laughs> yeah. Voice, voiced by nolan north who is some some there's gonna be a scene coming up about him that i'm gonna be very excited about <laughs> oh great yeah so as this mysterious assailant gets away <laughs> and again like this anybody facing me in Finitores, that's just a swatter I, that's not even fair yeah um <laughs> We cut over to Ivy Town where Hale's going to college. They are using their powers to levitate stuff, which I am extremely jealous of. And mm-hmm. anyone who's ever moved upstairs <laughs> at any point wants this ability. We do find out at this point that Harper is along for the ride, but ultimately Harper's deciding to go another route outside of college. And this is where Harper drops a bomb that she's like, hey, I, I want to date you. I kind of love you. You don't have to say anything, but I'm going to go, which, you know, is typical when you're at that age of 18, you just kind of drop it all and run. Um, (laughs) As Halo is left to think that over, we go back to Brion, where Brion is is thinking, like, isn't it suspicious that this villain antagonizing many humans, chasing them to our door, escaped again? Before you can even process that, the media shows up. It's a whole firestorm. So while we're thinking about um, the conspiracy. Yeah, so we come back to the Phantom Zone where Phantom Girl is like, okay, cool, cool. Let's dip now, actually. Let's go. But Superboy is like, I'm loyal to the hood. I'm loyal to the block of Zod. I cannot. I absolutely cannot leave. Um, yeah, so at this point, uh, this is obviously a big <laughs> problem for Phantom Girl. Um, because now that Superboy's loyalty is is locked in, she doesn't have a way to take him out. Ironically, everybody else is trying to get in. And speaking of probably people trying to get in, it's time to go find the Magic School Bus. <laughs> yeah, so our crew here, the team, they head on over to an impound lot because um, off-screen between episodes, uh, Nightwing was able to find the Magic School Bus. But unfortunately, it gets a little complicated when it seems as though the magic school bus has been crushed into a cube. While everyone's in shock about that, we hop back over to Markovia, where Brion is once again talking with this kid who reveals his name is Lizard Johnny. (laughs) (laughs) But you know what? Brion would approve of that name. (laughs) That is true. That is true. I take that back. (laughs) So as he's talking with Lizard Johnny, He's telling him, don't worry, while you're here in Markovia, I'll be sure to protect you. Um, Lizard Johnny's just telling him, I just really want to be in a place that I could be safe. Like, I don't want to fight. I don't want to be in this situation at all. And he's even mentioned, are you going to protect me the same way that you did against the attackers and what you did to your uncle? Which 
causes a bit of a shock to everybody's face. Um, fortunately, though, he does apologize for that. But then it leads into uh, the minister, Joseph, coming through with the um, the uh, I don't really know what his title is, but Z Z um, Zivyad, I think was his name. Uh, the person who's basically we learned from last season is now a member of the light with his uh, metahuman abilities. And he is kind of influencing a lot of the conversation so that it does seem that everybody is like on the same page of like with Brion saying that, like, don't worry, we'll protect you. And I'm, I'm not mad about you saying the thing about my uncle. I'm not hurt by it, even though in previous thing he did seem a little upset. And even Lizard Johnny saying that, like, yeah, um, you know, Brion had to do what he had to do. This is all while one of the Affinidors, Fury, uh, she's watching as this is all going down. And she does seem to be a little upset about it because something that the minister said was all these metahumans that Brion seems to be bringing in and going into rescue seem to be some of the same people that the meta that was at the metahuman youth center. So does that mean that Markovia is taking away metahumans from the Justice League? And speaking of that youth center in the Justice League, we open up to a really, you know, great scene, to be honest, of this monthly group therapy session operated by Dinah. Um, we see that um, Looker, uh, Violet, Tara, um, what's the name? Wind, um, and, like the, the Wind Girl, Andy, Vic and Gar are all there. And they're all sharing about um, just on their own personal experiences. And this is when... Violet shares with the class or the group how she just started at Ivy University. She's feeling very great about it. But there's the issue of the fact that someone expressed a romantic interest with, with her. And she states that she's the reason why she doesn't feel like she can do anything is because she feels blocked, which Tara brings up a very, very good question. Are you blocked because you don't know how you feel about her? Or are you blocked because you still love my brother? That is a hard-hitting question, but we can't go right to it just yet because, <laughs> yeah, but so we cut back to Brion, and we see that there's a cartoon that they are using for propaganda to convince kids to join the Infinitors, and it's pretty well made, but at the same time, Brion does feel a little bit off about this. He just feels like things are off, and as he is bringing up good points and objections, his aid touches him and influences him. Because again, we remember he has the subtle in power of influence. <laughs> <laughs> but one of Brion's people suspects, uh, one of his fury is suspects. Speaking of suspicions, Phantom Girl is selling Superboy in the Phantom Zone. Look, the, if you let these people out, there's going to be a huge coup. Everybody's going to break out. The universe is done. And just and as other Kryptonians come by, she says, okay, pretend I'm unconscious. Pretend I, you don't hear it, nothing. And Superboy stands and says, yo, that girl faking sleep. <laughs> so left with no choice, Phantom Girl disappears to parts unknown. And meanwhile, we get another quick scene um, back in, uh, in Brion's country. But this one is more messed up than we've seen before. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so Fury ends up meeting up with the rest of her team, Trajectory and Everyman. Uh, Trajectory is a speedster. Everyman's a shapeshifter. 
and they're outside the house. They ring a doorbell, and the person that answers is the same Minister Mueller who was, or Minister Joseph, who was um, talking with them earlier, who had the questions about why is it that Markovia seems to be taking youth away from the Tau Center um, that the Justice League has put together. And he immediately questions, it's like, is this because I said what I said? And they're like, nah, I mean, it could be. It doesn't have to be. But, you know, we just want to check in because you're all about protecting metas, yet every single mem member of your family is a non-meta. And he picks up on this threat. And this is when every man transforms into a monster. A monster that we love on this podcast because every man, today voiced by Nolan North, <laughs> brings to life Tusk. Tusk is back, yes! baby. Woo! <laughs> Not all heroes wear capes. Some wear tusks. And yes. Tusk is back, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! Five seconds in the Young Justice universe is the greatest thing that we've ever wanted. <laughs> this threat leads to Mueller unsure of what to do next. He closes back his door. Um, and luckily, though, in the situation, Fury does pull away every man, or now a tusk, this tusk variant, from the door so as she starts questioning once again like what is it that why did we do this like we this wasn't the plan this was really messed up for them to do and every man and um trajectory are just laughing about it even saying like yo it's a good thing that you pulled me back because it shows that he's on that you're on his side it's like playing like a little good cop bad cop but the more that they laugh the more that you see that fury is just very uncomfortable about this situation yeah and as she is kind of swallowing what's happened, we cut back over to the Magic School Bus yard, where since they found it, the Magic School Bus in such a terrible condition, uh, they bring in the, the little goblins from the training episode, and they basically say, yo, Nightwing, we're going to give you Nightwing's ride and his snacks. And Nightwing was like, yo, I am not Batman. I cannot <laughs> afford this shit. <laughs> and he was stressed. Um, but the deal was made. Um, elsewhere, we go back into the counseling where we catch up on Garfield and it's he's doing so much better. He has a support dog um, that's helping him with talk through things and, and deal with things. He's not on the team. He's not back on his show, but he's starting to heal his relationships, except for Perdita. Uh, that one he's still waiting on. Uh, so after, after we hear Beast Boy's improvement that he's really able to handle his pain, we get someone who's in complete pain. Because when Phantom Girl arrives back on Mars, she immediately gets the injury she should have had by reaching into the lava to get Superboy. So she is racked with pain, but luckily alive. <laughs> Speaking of pain, clean out your eardrums, Brion, because Halo just arrived in Markovia in a boom tube. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so um, earlier in the episode, it was recommended by Victor, um, that maybe Violet should reach out to Brion. Great thing that did pop up in that moment, though, was that Dinah did say, um, don't recommend, don't advise, um, share from your own experience. And he talks about how when his father reconnected with him through just like a simple text, it gave him the opportunity to reach out when he could. So Violet does the same thing with Brion. Unfortunately, Brion is sitting on his throne looking at this text. Violet boom tubes in because she's like, I don't understand why you're not answering my messages. Like, I saw that you read it. So as they start talking, it does seem, though, like they're coming to a moment of just, like, understanding of each other. And even Brion admits that he regrets some of his actions. And Violet is saying, like, all right, cool. We 
maybe we can get past this. Maybe there is something there. Unfortunately, though, his advisor comes in, is shocked because, of course, that boom tube is loud. So he's like booming in the throne room is kind of a bad thing. And he sees Violet there. He questions, are you here? Questions her. Are you here to be his queen? And she says no, to which Brion gets really upset about it because like it feels like Violet just came to tell him once again that he was wrong and that she needs to that he needs to get fixed by her. And Violet's just like, fine, if that's how you truly want to be. I see now who you are. I'm no longer going to be a part of your journey. And once again, she boom tubes out, blowing the eardrums of everyone in the room. And um, the advisor, who's just like, do you want me to be here to comfort you? As he goes once again to probably try to touch him to change his mind, Brion sends him away. But we do see that the advisor smiles because he's like, at least I know that Brion is away from someone that can influence him other than me. Mm. And after this outburst, we hang out with, Brion is alone with Fury, who we learn her real name is Rosa. And Rosa basically is like, look, a lot of shady things have been happening around here. I know you're feeling uncomfortable. I think the two of us really need to talk about what's going down in Markovia. And as they start this conversation, I'd like to remind you, this leads absolutely goddamn nowhere. Because they never Never. circle back (laughs) to this for the rest of the show. (laughs) So sit on that. This was a great setup. Like, I would have... Nope. And don't give the excuse that they were canceled because you cannot set something up like that and leave it there for another season. That should have been addressed. Yes. Come on. Anyway, <laughs> um, to close up the 18 other plot lines, Halo <laughs> decides after that meeting to call Harper, let um, Harper know how they feel. We also get the rest of the team, the original team, they don't want to leap loop in McGann in case this is a false lead. So they decide to take the leap into the Phantom Zone alone. And we end with another thing that doesn't get followed up on, the construction of the Hall of Justice next to the UN. Also, I just want to apologize. I realize I don't yeah. I think I might have accidentally um said she for Violet a couple times. Um this day take on take ownership on that. My bad. I'll make sure to do better. You know, it, that's part of learning. If you have somebody in your life who has changed pronouns and and gone through this, mm-hmm. uh, trying is important. Yes. And you, you're going to make mistakes because we have years of programming of like to assume and put people into boxes already. So just keep trying. You'll get there eventually. And next thing we have coming up is our next episode, Zenith and Abyss. So we open up to Oa where we see um, Tomar 2 now, the... Uh, Green Lantern, he's at the desk. He is checking in the visitor at the Galactic Science Prison. I I really need to know what kind of prisons there are because it's like, the, between this and Atlantis, like, I, we we're doing the prison system wrong. Um, <laughs> so, he's talking with this visitor. Um, he scans him with his ring. It does cause a little discomfort. We see Kilowog in the back getting ready just in case, but it does come up that this person has no criminal record. Um, and Tomar 2 tells him, okay, um, everything seems to be good about this um, about this individual. Who are you to check in about? And this is when the visitor is revealed to be none other than Kryptonian Killmonger, who was checking in on Kaiser Thrall. And he it's he learns that Kaiser Thrall has been released to his home planet on Earth. Um, he tries to ask why, 
but fortunately, Tomar 2 does have some con discrepancy and confidentiality when it comes to keeping this information secret. Um, but as he leaves, Kryptonian Killmonger does mention um, that he believes that he knew his father and he hopes that he becomes a great Green Lantern just as his father was. And I was just like, this is the biggest slap in the face I've ever seen in my life. That was some cold. This is like his villainous moment. This is yes. his Vandal Savage training coming through. But <laughs> As we, as we, as they, as Kryptonian Killmonger makes his moves to try to find the Kaiser Thrall, we see that um, our members of the team are in the Phantom Zone, and they, thankfully, they find Superboy really quickly. Unfortunately, Superboy thinks all of his friends are hallucinations. What? <laughs> you know what? I can't blame <laughs> him for that at all. Facts. Um, <laughs> so even though they, they're alone with him, he doesn't want to go anywhere. And it's revealed Zod set it up. It's a trap. As we see that they're stuck in a trap, we go back to Earth, or more accurately, the watchtower above Earth, where Forage Her has arrived with the Kaiser Thrall and has unbrought in Megan because they realize that there is a humanoid boy inside of the Kaiser Thrall, but the only way to communicate with him is through telepathy. So in one of the darkest stories in this entire show we discover that danny was a runaway from home and as a meta he was taken and trafficked his brain was removed from his body by the sod and placed in this box and furthermore every time he uses his powers as a kaiser thrall to do anything with dimensions it causes him intense pain so an 11-year-old boy was taken around the street, ripped out of his body, and forced to serve Darkseid. I, I, I don't know what to say. <laughs> it's some dark stuff. <laughs> it, it, it really is. And it's, um, it's a very sad moment, too, because like the more that McGann is communicating with Danny um, in this Kaiser Thrall form, the more you can hear her voice just how sad that she is about his story. And it's, um, you know, everybody's trying to say, we'll do everything that we can to help, but it's in a moment like this, there isn't much you can do. So you can see that moment, that kind of feeling echoing out through the room in that moment, they all get distracted because there's an incoming transmission for, for Miss Martian, which she takes. And it's revealed that it's Prince JM who tells her that, listen, I don't have all the facts, but I have a strong reason to believe that Connor may still be alive, which is much of a shock to her as we hop over to the Phantom Zone where we do know that Superboy here is alive. And he's just really kind of piecing everything together. He's realizing that his friends are really here. Um, but Nightwing tries to play it along, saying that, like, you know, maybe if everybody's cool, um, we'll be able to release everybody. But Superboy, because of his um, programming here through Zod, says, nah, he lying. This is when everybody's just like, we are your friends. We have to stop y'all. We have to at least stop these Kryptonians from getting through because they are criminals. We don't know what the situation is. And only criminal Kryptonians could be here. But this is when Connor's just like, I am a criminal, though, because I kill Superman much to the shock of everyone in the room. 
And then we obviously see them on the watchtower. Superman arrives and lightning gives the okay to move the, the satellite above the Zeta shield, which allows Prince M and Phantom Girl to come along. And this is when Prince M introduces Phantom Girl, admits that he didn't, he did a scan, but she didn't open up his mind to him. So therefore he has reason to trust her, but not really trust her. So let's be careful of what we tell her. And she starts explaining everything. And Gotta love this because it is everything we have seen in the show. It isn't things that happen behind the scenes. It isn't things that happened in secret that or like random small details that will pop up. It is legit everything we saw. And she explains everything to Miss Martian while um, Superman uses his x-ray vision to see in her bandaged hand that she has a legionnaire ring and tells McGann, I have reason to, to trust her. So I think we should move forward with whatever she needs, whatever she says. She didn't explain why her logo is clearly stolen from Danny Phantom, but we'll address that at another time. Uh, so, <laughs> <laughs> oh my so, gosh. I swear, side by side comparison, it's the same logo. Oh yeah. my gosh. <laughs> same really color is. scheme. <laughs> it's the same powers. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, now I got Danny Phantom theme song stuck in my head. <laughs> yep. And Phantom Girl has copyright. Uh, so <laughs> we also, so now Kryptonian Killmonger is now one step ahead of the heroes because he realizes that there's, he has access to their Legionnaire rings and that they can contact the heroes and kind of listen in. So Makam X says, I'll do you one better and pretends to be the Legionnaires and talks to Phantom Girl to get intel about what the hero's plans are and how to thwart, thwart them. And it's here when you see how much of a threat a rogue Kryptonian and a mind-reading shapeshifter can be just by themselves. <laughs> they don't even need the bug. After this point, we go back to a long-awaited confrontation in the Phantom Zone. My goodness, how excited I was for this scene because we see the Kryptonians who, mind you, don't technically have Kryptonian powers there against the heroes who are trained. And immediately in this fight, I have to, re everybody, remember, these are not full-fledged Kryptonians. Again, so Artemis shoots an arrow right at a dude's chest. She was going to kill that guy. Don't kill that man. <laughs> Artemis is not playing around today. <laughs> she's, she's tired. She is not whelmed. She is distraught. And she's definitely not feeling the aster. So she's <laughs> So the team, of course, these are trained heroes. So they seem to be getting a little bit of ground. Um, and Aquaman is even able to coordinate a counterattack when he's like, okay, don't worry about your fancy skills because we're thanks to willpower and the way things work in the Phantom Zone, your weapons are not going to be as reliable. So just throw those hands. And Zod, in one of the coldest sequences, goes full. We stay ready over here and completely mops the team. <laughs> completely. <laughs> like, he even gets Superboy to beat up his own homies to, uh, to turn on the whole block. What a reversal. <laughs> wild. It is so wild. Meanwhile, while this is all happening, we hop back over to the Watchtower. And McGann's like, okay. Maybe if you since you're saying that uh, Superboy doesn't want to leave, maybe me being there, me being present will be the thing to knock him out. 
So they tried to teleport to the zone. Unfortunately, as it was explained, uh, Phantom Girl, she can't pinpoint exactly where to go. She can only go between Earth and Bixel. And this is what exactly what happens. They head over to Bixel and is the most tr- horrendous location <laughs> I have ever seen in my <laughs> life. Because there's nothing but like electrical storms and like deserted land. There's nothing to build on there. And she's just like, this was Bixel in the 21st century. And it was just like, who came here later? It was just like, you know what? This is a foundation for a great city. <laughs> I could build a summer home here. Yeah, I was like, sorry <laughs> about that. Real estate is so cheap. <laughs> you guys, I will get paid. It's an investment on this. So because of this and because of the fact that they realize that they can't get to the Phantom Zone, McGann even tries seeing that maybe she can use her powers to pinpoint in on um, Superboy. Fortunately, it doesn't work, which leads to um, Danny or Kaiser Thrall, or actually, let me just call him Danny Chase now because my man's been rehabilitated. Danny Chase does offer a solution, but it requires for McGann to create a psychic link and the possibility of Phantom Girl using her abilities to tune into the transdimensional frequency that um danny can create unfortunately phantom girls like my powers don't work like that i'm organic i don't get frequencies but through the suggestion of a a mother box orion comes to play and he boom tubes over he talks about everything that happened and even provides some details about you know what would be a good place to hold these kryptonian criminals just in case they might make their way out of the phantom zone yeah, and I, I did wonder briefly why they didn't bring in Halo for this, but that's whatever. I guess they just forgot Halo was around. But <laughs> in any case... They were moving into school. <laughs> that's true, that's true. They didn't want to ruin the first day of college. So we go back to the zone, and again, Zod is that dude, I'm telling you. Because Nightwing tries to pull out one last ditch effort effort kryptonite and because they're in the zone it doesn't matter kryptonite doesn't matter but Zod's like i'm gonna hold on to this as my super special tool for later <laughs> i also like how he flew up and he grabbed it he was like what is what is this what is what is, what is it, a rock <laughs> he just closed it back. great yeah i was like all right this is gonna be a good mouse tool um <laughs> <laughs> so now completely outmatched zatana just says all right disappear no jutsu and gets them all out of there. Um, back on back on the ship, uh, headed towards the Red Sun planet, we get a really oh, a, a scene that I didn't even consider um, them including, but they they did it. And Superman, you know, at this point, he's like, "Hey, when we get to the Red Sun planet, I can't help." But Black Lightning also is like. <laughs> Get over yourself, bro. The team is stacked. You got me. You got Martians. Everything is is cool. Uh, so don't even worry about it. Now that they're confident, and I love Black Lightning for leading the Justice League, this is when, after they have all the ingredients in place, the thrall, the mother box, the red sun planet, they open up a hole to the Phantom Zone. And unfortunately, um, Zod, Superboy isn't the only one who walks out because um, Zod comes out too. And right when it looks like, oh, the heroes have an advantage, Kryptonian Killmonger pulls up, Macom X forces the Kaiser Thrall to activate and attack all the heroes, leading them in a torturous hell, 
Superboy knocks out instantly from the injuries he should have sustained in the Phantom Zone. And the episode ends with Kryptonian Killmonger going up to his pops and saying, yo, what's up? You ready to rule this universe or what? And, you know, one would say that this is how we close it, you know, over and out. Fortunately, though, our next episode is called Over and Out because we're (laughs) continuing on. And we open back up to um, to Trombus where everybody is still in agony, unfortunately, due to the fact they were attacked by the uh, um, the Kaiser mother box combo here. And as Lord Zod or sorry, as Kryptonian Killmonger is. uh, (laughs) I had had to correct myself on that one. As Kryptonian Killmonger approaches his parents, um, he once again is stating, like, yo, I'm your son from the future. And Drew and Urso just like, prove it. Say, say the um the secret maxim. And it was like, I'm sorry, what what <laughs> that was it? <laughs> yeah. And my boy just recites a phrase that was basically like, yo, Zod is it, Zod is all. And they're like, oh my god, he is our son. And it's really a shocking scene because this is where, again, thankfully, because we saw all of this content before, uh, Kryptonian Killmonger explains that we got to get y'all to a yellow sun because when you can gain your, your superpowers and conquer the galaxy. Drew Zod tells Feora, which was um, one of his lieutenants that popped on through, to head on over back into the Phantom Zone, gather his army from all the different forts, and tell them to come back here so that we can take over the galaxy. And... It's wild mainly because it's just like assemble them within the hour. And I was just like, I thought they were all there. Like there's <laughs> more forts, apparently multiple forts. forts. It's a fortnight over there. Um, so this is where I, I got to give props to a secret MVP, even though they're very recent to the series. Mm-hmm. Forage her. Her will is stronger than the Kaiser thrall for a brief moment. And upon and she almost knocks them out and gets the heroes to safety. But um, it with the wake of this development, they decide they need to retreat. So Zod says, "All right, let's retreat." But I'm taking Superboy. Kryptonian Killmonger is not for it, but he his dad will not budge on this. So as they leave, Kryptonian Killmonger still in his in, in his gangster mode. Pulls up to the Fortress of Solitude. Mm. He takes the Fortress of Solitude, my man. Um, and again, he again is like, yo, can we just kill Superboy while we have a chance? And his father, Zod, Juzad says, I'm I'm certain this guy has turned. It's all good. Leave it alone. So at this, Killmonger doesn't fight it. He just says, All right, how about you guys go to the uh Kryptonian Pokemon Center? Get get some healing real quick, uh, free healthcare. Uh, that's <laughs> that's what the real Kryptonian magic is: free healthcare. And <laughs> <laughs> it's so good you heal yourself just walking outside. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, if only. Um, now and they also reopen the portal so that the Kryptonians can uh, go to. Well, now they'll go on a red, uh, yellow sun planet mm. um, on Earth. So this is where the heroes. Realize the, t- the team realized they have to close the portal from inside the Phantom Zone. Otherwise, a bunch of Kryptonians are going to get out. But luckily, they're going to have some help because Kid Flash is awake, alert, alive. Yeah, he 
sends everything, um, just every trace. I think he burned the sage <laughs> so that Kryptonian <laughs> Killmonger's essence was no longer in there. <laughs> um, in that moment, uh, he also, this everybody is just trying to collect themselves. Miss Martian's a little sad because she saw Connor. She felt him in there, but unfortunately, she can also sense that he reverted back to his cabinet's programming. And they decide, all right, that we need to get to Earth because the sooner we get, the closer that the Kryptonians are to a yellow sun, the worse the situation is going to be. Of course, though, they don't really have many things to get them back, but we do see that Bioship is still here. So Kid Flash, he goes in, he starts operating everything once again, and with a combined might of self-space travel, Kid Flash using the Cosmic Treadmill and Forge Her using her um, her power ring to wrap the Bioship in a, in a construct, they are moving at, like, the speed of light if there's something faster than that they're moving that fast yeah and this is also gives even though they're moving so fast they do have time to slow down and have some important conversations uh so we see that you know the the legionnaires finally get to reunite even though they're not so happy about it mm. because exactly what they were trying to prevent is now happening much earlier than it should <laughs> Um, and they're rightfully questioning, did we mess up time worse by trying to stop him? Um, and Superman is standing alone. And this is where Jeff kind of approaches him. And it's like, you know what? I can't imagine how you feel. You must be excited that all these Kryptonians are here and you're not the last one. But also rightfully scared because these are the worst of the worst. They've been in the zone too long. You know, what's going to happen? What are you going to do? And this is where Superman kind of says... No matter what happens, I'm siding with Earth, my people, the people I know, not the people I, I am just related to. So as they race towards Earth, we see on the other side of the Phantom Zone door, Calder says, hold the door. Nightwing says, you shall not pass as they take on <laughs> every Kryptonian. <laughs> yeah, and they're doing a great job. There's even a reference to the, um, the Spartans and how a small and mighty feat is able to take on an entire army. Um, just check out 300. Uh, <laughs> though probably not the ending, just cut, cut like five minutes before the ending. So while they're fighting it out and able to hold the Kryptonians back, they do stay, all right, we need to find out what's on the other side of this portal. So they decide to switch up a look at their dance partners a bit as Nightwing takes the charge to run through the boom tube and uh, see what's on the other side. He's, he pops up right in the middle of the fortress. And I love... This dude, because he saw immediately on site, he was just like, "Oh nah, Ursa and Drew in the in the in the uh, in the sun pots." So he took a batarang <laughs> and blew them up. <laughs> so that'd probably be fine, right? Or um, if not, if not, <laughs> if they die, they die. <laughs> he's on that. He's on that Artemis time today. Understandably, this pisses off Kryptonian and Killmonger. So Kryptonian Killmonger lashes out, knocks over a statue, and once again, Nightwing lays down bloody, and it appeared that once again, Nightwing was killed by a rock. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because I think those, I I think that happened around the same time I first found out about Nightwing getting killed by the rock in um in Injustice in the comic book storylines. <laughs> And I was just like, yo, what's it about boulders and pebbles that this man just can't avoid them? <laughs> That's his real nemesis. Um, <laughs> the Rock, but not, the, not Dwayne Johnson. <laughs> so, but 
to be serious in a serious moment his heartbeat does slow and fade away and before we can really absorb this <laughs> um Ursa Zod just gets a magical eye boost out of absolutely nowhere yeah <laughs> this this came out of nowhere <laughs> she just gets magical powers just cuz she's mad i <laughs> um, and and as the last trifecta, if you're still at this point wondering what's going on, what won't help you is when Satana makes the Kryptonians fight each other in the zone. And it's mad the, that she didn't do that before, though, to be honest. Right. Why would you <laughs> wait? And the Kryptonians go, build your rage, everybody. And they just start getting all aggro, screaming, <laughs> raging out. <laughs> just so they can summon one of those creatures um that we remember and as the kryptonian is trying to escape <laughs> she's like i've been i got five years i've been here for 40 feora i believe uh was trying to escape she gets taken by the monster they summon mm-hmm. you gotta take the wheel because i'm my, my head's <laughs> spinning from all this craziness right now <laughs> yeah she got instantly grabbed um another person got instantly grabbed was um uh, Ursa, as she now becomes the new Emerald Empress. Uh, so, for people, we, we, I think we've talked about that her character in the um, Justice League versus the Fatal Five because Emerald Empress is a 31st century villain. So, somehow now, because of her rage, her building of the rage, she was able to get the Eye of Ekron. And this is when they're like, okay, cool. Everything is coming up Millhouse for us. Unfortunately, though, this is when they do hear that the uh, the bio ship is on its way. So they decide, you know what? Um, let's go find out what's happening. And as they sense the boom tube energy there, um, Superman's worried that the fortress may start attacking. But McGann's like, you know, bio ship linked up with Kryptonian systems, man, long ago. She good. And all this is happening when Ursa and Drew are given some time to kind of like Look around. They're very upset seeing about Superman and his exploits. Malifa X, who's there, or sorry, Makam X, who's been there for a minute now. He's like, he's like our science person. He's just like, yo, this tube is about to collapse. We can't sustain this any longer. This is when we do see that the tube is starting to collapse a lot. Um, so much that Satana's like, we need to get out of here because if we stay here, we don't know what happens to us. We may end up dying. And this is where we do see that that they are trapped between a Kryptonian and a hard place because um, we see that Kryptonian Killmonger came through to help stop the fighting um, so he could get his people through. So he's on the one side with his full powers while the other Kryptonians are still behind the uh, the the rock, the, sorry, the Devourer because they plugged the hole with it in a very dumb way. <laughs> <laughs> and Luckily, somebody's watched Game of Thrones and knows how to hold the door because Rocket puts a barrier that keeps Kryptonian Killmonger and the Kryptonians from advancing. But right when the boom tube is about to collapse, while everyone is able to get out, Rocket is stuck in the middle and is presumably killed in the boom tube collapse. To make matters even worse, Emerald Empress, um, who's been built up for the past 23 episodes, of course, um, takes <laughs> out the bio ship pretty much instantly because her magical powers are better than any sensors. So 
And when the ship collapses, the only one left conscious and somewhat standing is Superman. And in a nice moment, Zod says, like, truly, man, I don't I don't want to throw it. Look, I hate your house. All right. Let me get that. I hate your hood. <laughs> We're never going to be friends, but I would rather not fight. But if you kneel to me, we could we could talk. And Superman's like, bro, I get it, but I can't kneel. And Zod's like, oh, yes, you can. And using the kryptonite he took from the zone, mm -hmm. sticks it on Superman's chest. He's like, oh, you're on your knees now, aren't you, boy? <laughs> and this is where Kryptonian Killmonger says, all right, we got them both. Let's get Superboy. Let's get Superman. Let's take him out. But Zod says, doing it out here near the fortress? Nah, that's not my aesthetic. Let's go somewhere else. So they boom tube over to... Um... This is a new place, Planet Circle. Um, this is, I guess, the Daily Planet created a full-on kind of park within Metropolis. Uh, the Zods enter with Superboy carrying Superman, who's very, very green from all the kryptonite poisoning. And they do cause some general destruction. Um, this is where also Makam X takes all the cameras and points them towards Zod. And Zod announces, I'm here on Earth. I'm claiming this in the name of Krypton as the, for, and also for the House of Zod. He tells people that, like, yo, I already took out your, the best of your best, and I even swayed the people who could have been following up after them. And he shows Superboy holding Superman, and he says that the only thing left to show you my power is to have Superboy kill Superman. And in that moment, we see that the Emerald Empress goes over to Superboy. He's wearing a solar suit, um, but he's still, he's still very disfigured from all the burns that he, um, he's still healing from. And she changes the House of El Crest on his suit to that of Zod's. And in that moment, we start seeing Superboy start to hallucinate all the scenes of the times when he had killed Superman. And now you see that Superboy looks, and, uh, looks up. He sees Lex, but it's actually Zod telling him to complete your orders, complete the mission, complete the task I've assigned for you in the name of Zod. As our episode closed, with the death of Superman. But luckily, just like in our previous seasons, um, there is a death and a rebirth, which is the title of our final episode of Young Justice. Yeah, so this one starts out pretty strong. You know, again, Superman is right there. He's right on the brink of death. And Zod makes the point that Jor-El could have sent Superman to the new gods, could have sent him to Oa, could have sent him to all these planets. But I think he sent him to Earth because he wanted Superman to be a god. He mm -hmm. wanted Superman to take advantage. And what did he do? He didn't pull an Omni-Man. He decided to be nice to human humanity and, and help them and go hand-to-hand -hand with them. So this is a really interesting philosophical idea. But I'm going to need you to put all that big brain thinking away because we're about to get into some wild stuff. Because it is revealed over at the Fortress of Solitude, that everybody who was unconscious was faking their injuries. Why they didn't just jump them while they were at their weakest point, I I don't know. I I, I think that would have been the best time for them to fight back, but I, I can't tell you, people. Like, I can't tell you how Nightwing... <laughs> <laughs> say, it, say it with your chest when Nightwing was attacked he faked his own death 
by cutting his forehead like a professional wrestler, his words, not ours, and slowing his heart rate down like Batman taught him, which is just an advanced way of saying Nightwing used his micro expressions to avoid <laughs> and fake his death. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Shout out to the Forever Evil story, comic book story arc for um, creating that way of Nightwing slowing down and start pretending to fake his death. Um, I feel like that's something that's going to be used very much often in future productions. <laughs> Just Batman and micro, micro expressions and faking and slowing down your heart rate. Great skills. So fortunately, though, everyone is very happy about everyone actually being alive. It's discovered that um, through explanation from Nightwing and McGann talking with each other, that one, they know Connor's alive. Two, um, Emerald Empress, when she attacked them, Saturn Girl has sensed it. She got in a psychic warning and um, alerted everybody to get ready to take this hit. Fortunately, Superman and Orion took the whole blast. And I was like, holy crap. <laughs> And because they were able to um, take that hit, it gave McGann and Saturn Girl enough time to create this illusion that made them look like they were all down. But McGann said that um, they decided to send Superman since he most likely would be the one to be able to take that hit and figured that the Zods would know that as well. Unfortunately, it didn't play out exactly as they thought because they weren't expecting the kryptonite to... Um, to take out Superman and for Superboy to now be holding him hostage over in um, Metropolis. Yeah, there's also a minor plot hole here because at one point Nightwing speaks with authority about what happened to Rocket. And I'm like, you weren't you weren't he, there. Yeah, he wasn't there. You were faking your injury. Like <laughs> did McGann and even if McGann gave you the info, why are you speaking with your whole chest like you were there? Anyway, um, as all these plots are merging into one. Um, to add another obstacle, Bioship has to heal, but it doesn't really matter because Baby shows up a, a second later. I, I don't even know why they introduced this as a problem <laughs> when they immediately solved it. But um, back at our main event, we're wondering, Superboy has now been convinced by Zod to kill Superman. His memories are, his mind is scrambled. His memories are messed up. How can they possibly bring him back from the brink? And the answer is one word, family. Because the word family, <laughs> like Martha and Batman v Superman, instantly convinces Superboy, you know what? I don't want to kill him anymore. <laughs> and, and that's it. That's it. He gives up. Um, yep. Resolved. Problem solved. And right on cue, um, Kid Flash rushes in to uh, to help. At the same time, Zatanna gets there, and now they got to do it by sunrise because you know the sun mm -hmm. isn't you know sun's only on, over Earth during the day, <laughs> so uh, they got it. They got to hurry up before the sun gets back from where it is. Yeah. So, um, oh gosh, I almost was like, <laughs> this is when they started playing every single Wiz Khalifa <laughs> Fast and Furious song ever created. <laughs> during this fight <laughs> so now the rest of the team are still on their way they're like again we gotta stop them before the uh the sun comes up and everybody is in this fight like again like we mentioned it's, it's just like smash everybody is here um so we see that uh zatanna she comes through when she finally arrives she conjures a, a ring of fire around Macom X, which fortunately is able to take him down. Um, and like, what's his name? Um, 
Aquaman, he's able to create like an eel to grab onto the mother Thal and throw him into the sewers that was able to close off the boom tube. Lore sees, I'm sorry, Kryptonian Killmonger. He sees Tigris. And it's, um, this is when we do see that like some of their powers are starting to come through. Fortunately, Kid Flash was able to sure the hell out of the way from there. And when Macom X is just like, yo, I can send Satana. My, I can, I can take her out right now. This is where we see the most shocking thing of all because, uh, well, Kid Flash was able to grab the eye of Ekron. Unfortunately, he gets shocked because of it. And this decides to change up the entire fight schedule again because now we do see that somebody does come through as Feyora and Nan were able to make their way through the um through the portal. Fun fact, Nan was the other was one of the three people that was in the Superman uh Superman 2, that film. And I believe he's also gotten our most jacked character award for today, unless we're giving it to Orion for taking the hit in front of Superman. <laughs> I don't know. Nan was, well, you know what? Nan does lose the award because the skipping, I mean, this fight is wild, but in the middle of this fight, Nightwing kicks him. And right. I, I feel like you you can't compare that to what, to getting hit by the, the eye of Ekron, you know? <laughs> Nightwing is a human, bro. Like, I, I, I love him, but he's a human. <laughs> he's a human man. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So, um, Macom X in the fray wants to get control of the Kaiser Thrall and keep it. But here is where um, Chameleon Boy is like, you ready for that round one rematch? Because I don't remember them fighting often. Um, but they, <laughs> uh, uh, he tries to take a shot at Macom X. Um, McGann um, immediately comes in and is able to restore Superboy's mind pretty effortlessly. Artemis shows up. And I say that because at this point, I realized that her entire arc was just doesn't even matter right now. <laughs> like, yeah, it really does not. <laughs> and speaking of arcs that didn't matter, Aquaman. Uh, pulls up, and I will give it to this boy. He was given the work to Zod. Mm-hmm. All right, he he was doing the Lord's work to try to take out Zod. And as established before, he's on tier with Kryptonians. Um, so now the the fight has been reset. Superman and Superboy are now on the same side, since Superboy has his memories back. Now it's time for some real battles. Um. As McGann decides to step into the fray, yeah, she uh she steps in a very big way too. Because um in a prior scene when she's when they're all flying over to the fight, she and Nightwing have a conversation, and he tells her, "Yo, this is the worst of the worst that we're going through right now." And I know that in the past you've been working on um you know not going too far, especially because we know about her whole exploits into the mental scape and swaying people in her own way. And he's like. Listen, I I know that you've been working towards coming back from that, but today's the day to to mind mess up some people because you are like ace in the hole. You are everything that we need. And she comes through immediately. It does seems like she's still kind of um, holding back because she's mostly doing illusion works on Emerald Empress, even to the point where Emerald Empress is able to trap her into a ring of fire. And this leads into a very shocking death when Emerald Empress flies over and rips out McGann's heart. Very graphic, very gory. You actually see the whole thing beating its last couple of beats. 
But luckily, because this is the episode where everybody fakes their death, <laughs> this was a co- full, complete mental illusion set up by McGann as she brain blaster, knocking Emerald Empress unconscious, causing the um, the eye to separate from Ursa as the two beings fall to the ground. At the same time, we see that Danny is being tortured by Macom X. Um, Danny was able to come back because the mother box, while although it was being controlled by Macom X, was able to re combine Danny in this like mental scape and Danny is just like in terrible pain fortunately Saturn girl comes up and it's just like yo why don't you pick up somebody your own size and I was like that's a fair point but he can also mm-hmm. shift to the size of Danny so I don't think that was actually the right statement yeah uh, but I do like this moment because finally she Saturn girl encourages Danny to step into his own power and he's able to kick Macom X out of his head himself just with mm-hmm. his own power. Now we cut to what should be the main event, which is Superman and Superboy versus Zod and Tony and Killmonger. And Superman's like, look, look, they're good. They're strong. You know, they're, they're getting powered up, but we are a team. Mm-hmm. So let's hit them with a combo. We family. <laughs> we family, right? So let's hit them with that combo. And they start their combo and immediately get washed by Zod and Tony and Killmonger. Yeah. Immediately. What is this combo? <laughs> it looked cool for like a hot second. And then it was just like, so no. Like, combo breaker. <laughs> All this happens. And fortunately, though, we got another ace up our sleeve with the emergence of Danny now finally taking out Macom X. Um, he opens up a vertical boom tube from the sewer. So this gives every single person the opportunity to find a way to knock a Kryptonian down into this Phantom Zone tube. Um, we see that Artemis or Tigress and Nightwing still fighting against Nan. This entire time, they're still fighting against this one Kryptonian. Um, they execute the West Maneuver. Uh, West Maneuver, very so even though he isn't here with us, we know that he is with us. Because uh, this is the typical five-year-old playground trick of someone kneeling behind someone and then the other person pushing them, causing them to flip over. Nan uh, gets kicked into the into the boom tube. Uh, Feora, she tries to leap in, but unfortunately gets trapped in a force bubble, revealing that Rocket also kind of faked her death. And she is alive and well, standing in front of a time sphere, and is just sending Feora into the Phantom Zone as well. And thankfully, she's like, I'm not even going to bother to explain that right now. <laughs> um, so she says, I'll explain later. And right as Macom X and Zod get one-way tickets to the Phantom Zone, the Emerald Empress, the eye just takes her away. It just takes, <laughs> she's just out. I, right. whatever. Um, <laughs> we'll, we'll get to it later. Um, so now the fight is finally over. So now that this fight is over, this climactic battle, it's time to wrap up literally every plot line we have. So let's do a quick speed run of a couple things right away. First of all, Beast Boy is on TV. He says, thank you, everybody, for some supporting his mental health battles um, and what he's been going through. And I think it's a really nice message. I think it's 20 episodes too late, but it's a really nice message. Uh, Jonathan Kent is now messed up for life because now he learns that people can come back from the dead sometimes. So ne- good luck explaining when Ma Pa Kent die of natural causes that they're not coming back. <laughs> the wedding starts and the wedding starts and um, uh, Megan's, McGann's parents come in 
At this point, Emery, her sister, who's living on Earth, decides to reclaim her original birth name, accepting the, her status as a white Martian in a white Martian family. Violet and Harper are literally in the background. They don't get any lines to worry about. <laughs> um, <laughs> Black Canary decides, says, hey, we need a sanctuary for heroes to get their mental health back together. Um, and I'd love how she looks over to Batman because Batman was giving mm. the vibes that I'm not paying for this. <laughs> <laughs> so, and Perdita has moved on. She said, uh, sorry, Beast Boy, but I don't think we'll get back together. I need to take a breath. So why don't you continue with the 17 other plot lines that we're going? <laughs> <laughs> of course, because, you know, again, it's a wedding and I'm hoping that Batman pays for this because Connor and Clark arrive in a black limousine because as um, I think back in season, yeah, back in season three during um, when they first met Metron, uh, Connor had asked Clark if he could be his best man. So that's the situation that's happening here. Calder comes up. Um, and he's talking to Orion, Chameleon Boy, Green Lancer Forger, and Rocket, um, trying to figure out a plan for the Kryptonians because we can't leave them in the zone forever. Chameleon Boy is like, yeah, I mean, we could. I mean, they were technically released <laughs> a little early because of this scenario, but you can see what happens in the 31st century. But also in the 31st century, they cause some crime. Um, so Clark suggests that maybe we could just leave them out on Trombus. It's an uninhabited world. There's red sun. They have to literally build everything from scratch. And Raquel notes, bringing together that plot point, that this is a great way to start the treaty between the League, the New Gods, and the Green Lantern Corps um, because they can watch over it and make sure they don't rise up. And they're like, all right, we'll talk about this later. But they're going to find out something very shocking soon because the Kryptonians never made it back to the zone. Vandal Savage, in his expertly clever ways, worked with Ultra Humanite um, to shared that the Kryptonians during their trip back into the zone actually never made it there. And because Clarion was able to hunt them down, they all, they now have all the Kryptonians on Warworld except for just one because the apocalypse required one and they also can't find Makam X. So you see the Warworld in the Phantom Zone it gets taken away through a portal set up by Clarion. And at the same time, we hop over to another planet where the person who was acting as his liaison for uh, Macom X and Darkseid, Graven is his name. He shares that this is the this is the reward you've been looking forward to because of your faithful service to Darkseid. It's a, pl a planet that the Aashens could call their own. Macom's like, yo, what's this planet called? And it's revealed as called Derla, which is the home planet of Chameleon Boy, meaning that maybe in some way, Macom X and Chameleon Boy are distant relatives. <laughs> And I guess all that racism and attempted ethnic cleansing was worth it for Macom X. Right. Because Macom X and Chameleon Boy look exactly alike. The fact that he gets a happy ending after all that is <laughs> mind-blowing. Um, but we don't have time to sit on that horrifying thing because we need to find out how Rocket survived. And apparently, getting trapped in the, the boom tube sent her to Metron's vault. And Metron just gave her a time sphere for free that he had fixed up, the one that they had left behind there previously. And he sent he sent the time sphere back with Rocket. Now, earlier, Kryptonian Killmonger had escaped into the time sphere, and they were worried about where it, it was going to go. It's revealed that Metron, um, when he gave the time sphere, preset the coordinates, and the coordinates take Kryptonian Killmonger back 
to the Kryptonian bomb that was about to go off under the surface of Mars the time it did. So Kryptonian Killmonger goes, oh, obviously, I'm supposed to go and kill Superboy. And I'm like, bro, do you not remember that you yourself said a kryptonite bomb that now you're completely vulnerable to? Why the hell would you get out? And it's revealed. After Kryptonian Killmonger predictably fails, he was the ash mark on the wall this entire time that people thought was Superboy's body. And Metron smiles and says to himself, that's for kicking me out of my chair, bro. <laughs> Honestly, that's the pettiest revenge I've ever seen anyone execute. I hated this man, but I love his planning. It was <laughs> I wild. A lot of the stuff that happens off screen. Mm-hmm. Um, Rainy from the 31st century comes, gets the Legionnaires. And this is a question I wanted to ask you because we get to see the wedding guests assembled. Mm-hmm. These seating arrangements, as someone who's gotten married, do these seating arrangements make any sense to you? <laughs> the only the first row did. Everything else was a complete trash shit show because it was like, I, oh God, it was so bad. It was like, first off, the spacing of the aisle was wrong. The the framework. Okay, before I go into making this a, a wedding podcast, <laughs> I'm just like, it was, it, there was, I could see the vision. Unfortunately, yeah, it was a little blinded. Um, <laughs> And speaking of mm. blinded, we also go talk about Emerald Empress um, because now she is using the eye to fly over to Daxum. She does know now that she is pregnant with the unborn child of of Drew Zod, and she's like, "I'm gonna get vengeance back for my husband, knowing that Lord Zod will, or, sorry, Kryptonian Killmonger may return once again. Hopefully, he keeps the hair." Um, <laughs> and we start wrapping up our story here with Lucas Carr has arrived. And then we also see a white limousine arrive. And this white limousine is uh, Miss Martian. She's here. And I got to say, it was a very nice wedding dress. Um, mm-hmm. And fortunately for them, because I don't know how much they had to pay for this wedding, but the <laughs> Legionnaires decided to leave. Actually, not fortunately for them, because if they had to pay for their plates, I'm going to need somebody to send me a bill, like a some money from the 31st century, because them plates are hefty. Yeah, I feel like they leveraged a favor they had from Batman to just get this all paid for. (laughs) So after we zoom in on a guy who, look, I got to use this allowance here. I don't Mm -hmm. know who the fuck was talking next to Icicle Jr. Who was that guy? (laughs) 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 That was um, our boy Marvin, the Marvin, the the Martian. The from uh, the guy that was. Uh, pretended to oh right because you blocked out the harm episode from your memory um, right but, but would you invite him to your wedding after that i wouldn't really invite him but i guess because technically he's actually the first n- like normal friend that superboy made when he went to school that is the reason why he was invited to that wedding where his where he was seated for dinner we won't know thankfully we won't well now that that's out of the way <laughs> um finally <laughs> Superboy and McGann, they finally get married like they've been trying to do all season uh, after exchanging some sweet vows. And in the post credit scene, we cut to Apocalypse. We see that Black Mary is there and now she's one of Darkseid's Furies. And the second person that's there that's one of his Furies is Supergirl, who apparently ended up in the Phantom Zone by herself and was rescued by Darkseid. So they decide out of all of 
the Kryptonians they could have taken. They take Supergirl. Yes, of course, the series didn't get another season after this. But had they gone through with this plot line, it would have literally been the plot line they just did with Connor <laughs> about a yeah. Kryptonian turn the evil. And also Darkseid saying, like, thinking, like, these two people are going to make a difference. I don't want to tell Darkseid how to do his job, but I am <laughs> absolutely sure Black Mary and Supergirl ain't going to quite cut it against the entire might of the Justice League. <laughs> That's true. Black Lightning told us that, like, listen, we, against many Kryptonian criminals, we got this on lock. So, yeah, that with that, uh, that teaser that isn't going to go anywhere and a wedding that's been a long time coming, we end our series there. So while I still go take some time to calm down from the fact that the Legionnaires left and that's probably like a thousand dollars a plate for that food, <laughs> we're going to leave you with this podcast from the Forgotten Entertainment family that you should be listening to the next time and not listening to us. Hey there, I'm Mr. Black. And I'm Mr. Green. And we're a couple of guys who met in a comic book store. Together, we host the Pint O Comics podcast, where we invite listeners to join us to talk about movies, TV, comics, music, or just whatever. We'll be joining up with the fine folks at Forgotten Entertainment for a special limited series called On the QT, where we talk Tarantino. Every week for 10 weeks, a guest will join us to chat about every Quentin Tarantino movie from Reservoir Dogs to Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. So join us starting in May 2021. On the QT is available wherever you download your podcasts and is part of the Forgotten entertainment family Ooh, that's a bingo all right so five episodes here that come that set up the nightwing arc that also completed the animated production of our series um so there is a follow-up the comic book series we're called young justice targets we'll talk about that as well but not today because right now we're going to focus on what was the most whelmed episode from our bunch today I'm sorry, you said who's Ark? Uh, Nightwing? Was he in this? <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, no, I think the only episode that could be the most well is the only one that didn't piss me off. Zenith and Abyss. <laughs> um, <laughs> right in the middle. It was a really fun episode because we get to see Kryptonian Killmonger be, you know, be tactical. Him and Wakam X were a deadly combo and both sides were one-upping each other. The story of Danny was really hard-hitting and effective. Um, the confrontation in the Phantom Zone is really fun, how that keeps flipping. So it was an episode where things kept flipping. Like, you know, like a good Young Justice episode, it's not black and white. Everything keeps flipping sideways. So I really liked the the tension, the reversals. It was really fun. Um, I, I won't get into it because, we've been, you know, we covered five episodes today, so I won't break down all my problems with the other ones. But it basically amounts to two things the other episodes do is either because it's the rush to the end, they cram in too much information. And as a result, a lot of off-screen information that we weren't rewarded with. Or in the case of the first episode of this arc, literally retracing steps to do things we've already done before. So it just felt like you have such little time we we know all of this already. Nightwing does not need to put together a mystery that has already been solved. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was frustrating to see that, uh, you know, them kind of waste a really interesting detective episode on prior information. And I'll say also Eager and, Ego and Super Ego were very close. But for the pure fact that Brion's arc is never finished, uh, it could not 
emerge from this group. Uh, so where does that leave you in this last group? Who's the most whelmed for you? Yeah, I'm also going to give it to Zenith and Abyss because it did feel like everything about it, strong storytelling, interesting things with like what was happening with um, Danny and the whole thing about him, with, uh, the Kaiser Thrall. It connected, I feel like it connected a lot of um, stuff to the bigger mythos of not only within Young Justice, but also um, just the DC universe in general. Um, some, I also agree, super um, ego and super ego were great. Um, also, I, you know, I have my, yeah, I, I think I also really enjoyed Over and Out. And I think that's just because of the fact of like that battle, like seeing how it's just like we, we don't know which way to go in this. And it's like everything already seems lost and we can't go any further. It was a great way of telling that story and seeing what sacrifices had to be made at this point. But Zenith and Abyss, definitely the best because um, it gave us an opportunity for some to see how what we've been asking for for a bunch of times in previous seasons of show us throughout past episodes how everything comes into connection here. And it did that. It did a great job with that. I agree. Even though the first episode of this arc kind of does it, I think what could have been done to not show like Nightwing just going to each person's place and showing that like, hey, all these characters are in this show too and they're all connected to it was just have him maybe just like explaining, doing the detective work, looking at the board and each time that he picks together a new piece, um, still have it be like a single shot or frame of him there and then like the person who's providing that information just appear on screen. Like, I don't know if I needed really to see him going with Zatanna to all these places and then it's just like, Zatanna, do the thing where you just show them the mind and then they show us what they were thinking and now we have that information we could play that out. I think that was a lot um, because I wish I kind of could have just given the fact that we're like, we need a detective. I kind of wish that we saw him at the board doing the detective work a little bit more versus like, I'm just hopping around to different things. Like, cause it felt like we're just taking scenes from previous episodes and swapping characters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, exactly. Um, I, I think it just, such such a good premise and such an exciting premise, just not used in the most efficient way here. My grand RT alteration, the last one I have for Young Justice as we cl- close up. I would have not only loved to see one more episode of Superboy on Earth and Evil, mm-hmm. but my radical RT alteration, instead of love snapping him out of it, Lex would do it. Mm. Lex would be around... You know, you had enough time. There were so many plot lines. Lex would be introduced, realizing Superboy is cat misprogramming. He goes to try to take advantage. But right when he Superboy is about to kill Superman, Lex realizes, damn it, it would be there are worse Kryptonians out there, namely Zod. And at that point, Lex finally frees Superboy from cat misprogramming, making it so that he can never revert back. Mm. And with the strength of mind, Superboy by himself, not with McGann's help, is able to piece everything back together and then get back to business. I think that would have been a nice change up. And like, I get it. McGann restoring, putting his mind back together is, you know, symbolic and cute. But I would have loved to see a different take on it. I would have loved to see an evil and the master of evil himself have to reverse it. I think that would have been really rewarding. Yeah, I, I can see that. That would have been good um, because I think that we see McGann being the one to reassemble his mind many times already throughout, just not even just like in this 
set of episodes, but in the series as a whole, like he she tends to be the one to piece his mind back together. And I think it would have been nice because now it's like I'm assuming that behind the scenes is probably like, yeah, like there's work was done mentally for him to not be um taken over again, but it's never explicitly said. It's always like he has it always seems like he's doing this work on his own, which commend like kudos to him. But then it's like when you hear other individuals like um Red Arrow being able to um be have his mind swept of this programming is the same happening for Superboy. It just feels like you just have to assume that is, but I kind of wish I agree. I kind of wish there was a way that we could just say he's been completely broken from the programming. He's not going to revert back and it's not going to be like he has to continue. Like yeah, maybe he has he continues doing some work, but not have it be that like he's never going to be free when so many people have had an easy out of it already. Mm-hmm. And when it brought his whole arc, the series full circle, mm-hmm. uh, you know, but um, we just had to find out what was going on with Perdita. So never mind that. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, and also I forgot to mention, because I just thought it was a cool um, thing was, uh, Beast Boy's emotional support dog, Wingman, is actually the name of Greg Sipes, the person whose voice is Beast Boy. That's the name of his dog. Oh, well, yeah. comes all full circle. Yeah, unlike Superboy storytelling. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> uh, but speaking of storytelling, uh, we're going to hop on to the comic book section of this. Now, there isn't much, um, I guess, that we can share just because, you know, it's a Nightwing arc. Uh, I feel like we talked about him in the past already, given like who he is as well as his origin. Um, definitely, I think we definitely talked about it during the Judas Contract movie episode because that's where he adopted the title of Nightwing. Um, Zod might also be a good option, but honestly, I feel like there's so many different versions of him throughout uh, media telling us to kneel that I think we're good. Um, oh, shit. My bad. I forgot to actually mention this. So back in our first episode of this season, I mentioned that the title's of each episode spells out something much like it did for season three. That title for season four is called Invitation to Kneel to Zod. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's what we okay, that's what we were we're building to. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, that's, that's great. That's great. Yeah. No, the funny thing is, I feel like he didn't do it as much <laughs> as I wanted him to say it. Like, I wanted every line to be like, hello, Neil before Zod. I like my coffee with cream and sugar, Neil before Zod. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it, it's a very, uh, it's a very, um, like Teen Titans go joke, but I'll accept it. I would have taken that over what yeah. we got. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so no, I've, I don't think we should talk about Nightwing. I don't think we talk about Zod. However, there is a character that has a nice middle ground between the two if people really want that. And that's Lorzod or Kajoni oh. Killmonger. <laughs> Damn, I thought you were going to see Tusk. All right. All right. Lorzod. You know, yeah. One one day. <laughs> one day we'll get the full Tusk animated comic book breakdown. Like, I'm, we'll work on it. <laughs> the, t- the TCU. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So, um, Lorzod, he more recently in comics has been portrayed as a child of Zod, just like we saw here. Um, and in the 20 that was mostly seen in the 2017 revenge storyline in DC Rebirth. This was when um uh Cyborg Superman pulls together Superman's greatest enemies, um, by which I mean variants of Superman, like Eradicator himself, Zod, to come and fight against Superman. And during this battle, we got a chance to see Lord Zod being pulled from the Phantom Zone as well, but as a little kid. Um, 
he unfortunately doesn't have the locks, but he does have a similar swoop of the hair. Okay. Well, yeah. I guess I'll take it. <laughs> um. So, and also in his future state, he is a part of the Peacemaker Suicide Squad. So I don't, I'm thinking he's like an anti-hero. Um, some people like future state. Some people don't do with that information, what you will. Um, but we also got a chance to see a even great, like, a, I guess a greater version of um, Lord Zod in our Gods and Monsters movie. Wait a minute. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Hernan Guerra is Lord Zod. <laughs> wow. <laughs> it's coming full circle. Um, <laughs> but um, we will talk about right now the actual original origin of Lord Zod and the initial concept of him that first appeared in Action Comics number 844 back in December of 2006. Hmm. Uh, so really new, or at least like relatively new. He was created by Richard Donner, Jeff Johns, and Adam, Adam Kubert. Um, unlike his Young Justice counterpart, he was actually born in the Phantom Zone. And his story came about when a rocket appeared out of nowhere oh. and was making its way towards Earth. Fortunately, Superman was able to stop it from crashing, and inside the rocket, he found a young child. Along with his young child, he found some Kryptonian writings, and he's just like, all right, we got a Kryptonian kid here on Earth. We don't know how he came to be, but because Superman had been so connected to the U.S. government, of course, he had to turn this child over to U.S. custody. And the U.S. be U.S.ing when it comes to aliens, um, mm -hmm. so they started to experiment on him. And this is when Superman, thankfully, was able to take full custody of him because he, after the U.S. government learned that he truly was Kryptonian, uh, Superman was just like, I'll take care of this kid. And thanks to Batman, um, Batman was able to hack into the system and they were able to hide this kid's identity even further by fabricating the foster child, Christopher Kent, that he that Superman and Lois would take care of. Okay. So they're raising this kid. It's, it's all great. Unfortunately, his powers are starting to come together. So Superman at one point creates like a little wristwatch that has that emits like a solar, a red sun um, to kind of like die down his powers a bit. Uh, but then it's soon discovered that the rocket that he was in apparently was able to create a portal from the Phantom Zone, allowing Zod, Ursa, and our um, Jack character in the running Non to arrive on Earth. And they immediately take over. They are able to kick Superman into the Phantom Zone. Um, and this entire time, Christopher Kent, he's like trying to figure out what to do. But his main goal is mostly to protect his foster mom long enough for another uh, Kryptonian descendant, Mon-El, to go into the Phantom Zone and bring Superman back. Of course, Superman being Superman will end up saving the world. Um, but it was discovered that the only way to close the portal was to... Um, send everything back, and that included the rocket and Chris. So Chris, um, at a very young age, decided to make this heartfelt sacrifice. He gave his heartfelt goodbye to ensure that his parents weren't going to be able to come back into Earth. And you know, it's a it was a sad moment, but fortunately, he um he wasn't gone for long because we learned that while he was in the Phantom Zone, time worked differently there, and. In the 2008 news Krypton storyline, um, we learned that while he was traversing through the Phantom Zone, he has aged up. Um, he's now like a, at least like a 20-odd-year-old individual. Um, and he was able to find a piece of Brainiac tech that allowed him to connect his consciousness to another Kryptonian. Because at this point, it's found out that uh, Kandor 
is around. So after the events of um, Brainiac and Superman fighting, um, we found out about Kandor. Superman was able to release Kandor, very much similar to what I think we talked about during the um, Brainiac Superman um, Unbound movie with that first encounter that they had. Now that Kandor exists and is out, Chris is able to connect with the Kandorian science officer, Thara Akbar. And they orchestrate his rescue, but they also <laughs> find out that there are a bunch of Kandorians on the planet that are really loyal to Zod and they're planning to strike Earth to take it over. So, so in order to protect Earth from this imminent threat, because they're like, we're the only ones that know about this coming. I don't know why they didn't share it with anybody else. Um, they decide to, to adopt the identities of the legendary heroes of Krypton, Flamebird and Nightwing. <laughs> okay. Yeah, so that's it. There, there's more, there's more that happened out of that. To talk about it even more, I think honestly, you just read just check out the comic, y'all. Um, but yes, so Nightwing is actually the name of a superhero from back in the day on Krypton. When Nightwing was trying, when uh, Dick Grayson was trying to figure out his identity post Robin, um, he spoke with Superman, and Superman told him about from his files about finding out about these two individuals. And um, Dick Grayson decided to go with the name Nightwing. So because at that time, um, Dick Grayson had moved up to become Batman due to the fact that um, Bruce had died, it meant that Nightwing was available. So Thara and um, Chris decided to become Flamebird and Nightwing, respectively. There's explosions, there's fires, there's like some cool suit looking things that they have on too. But that was the connection that I found, I'm assuming, was the um, reason why they decided to put Lord Zod, like, I guess, rise and fall, really, in this Nightwing arc because of that connection. Well, comics <laughs> have lore. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, so, yeah, that is the lore of Lord Zod. <laughs> Unfortunately, he again he hasn't been popping up as of late. He's mostly been doing like little cameo scenes. I'm unsure if there plans to bring him back, but I feel like everybody's gonna be more so for the Zod storyline. Um, and with that, uh, I feel like that also wraps up not only our episode, but um, I guess almost our season of Young Justice. Because I was wrong, we are planning to do a superlative episode next week. <laughs> Yes, uh, with a breakdown also about the Targets comic, and uh, also uh, I'll be here to present my official worst arc award. That's one of the awards up for grabs. Because you might be able to guess it now, but <laughs> see, see now for confirmation. <laughs> All right, so be sure to check out our socials and Patreon for more content and news about that upcoming episode. In the meantime, take care of yourselves and remember. That heroes, except for Wally, never die because, as we saw in this Nightwing arc, they fake their deaths a lot. And if you get into trouble um, and you just don't know what to do, just rage out because either a magical eye will contract <laughs> with you or you'll summon a beast that will eat you. So, either or, you'll get out of that situation. <laughs> Thanks again for listening. Yet Another DC Animated Podcast is a proud part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. If you liked what you heard, leave a review and share us with a friend. 
Also, be sure to follow us wherever you get your podcasts and on social media at YADC Animated Pod. 